Um, unfortunately, Aaron's a bit sick. Uh, he's got he's got himself the strep throat, which uh, is not conducive to talking for very long periods of time. So we're gonna not have a podcast this week. I know, I know. We've recently had to do this a few times now. Luckily, none of it's been back to back. But uh, yeah. I wouldn't really want to subject him to talking for 45 minutes when he can barely even swallow water. So, yeah, we're going to we're gonna not have a, a full final word with, with Jeff and Aaron. However, I figured I don't want to leave you entirely in the dark. So I thought I'd tell a story that uh, I think was pretty entertaining. Um, well, not at the time. At the time, I was terrified and concerned. But uh, I figured this is pretty easy since it's not something that both Aaron and I can kind of go back and forth on. And I might be an interesting story to hear. So, um, yeah, without further ado, here's my story of Patrick Feathers. So the story starts at the end of my junior year of, of college. Um, I went to Carroll College in Helena, Montana, and I originally am from Spokane, Washington. And so back then, what I would do is just drive back and forth. Uh, it's about a four to five hour drive, depending on how fast you're going. And, uh, it wasn't terrible. Uh, at the time, I had successfully gained my mom's uh, ma- no, what was it? Mazda Tribute, I believe. Uh, a pretty good small SUV, which always has the problem of it's a small SUV, so it's not really great as an SUV, but it's not really good as an economy car either. So it, it was an okay car, but um, uh, so yeah, I packed up everything from my dorm and decided to drive home, and. About halfway there, no, not halfway, more like third of the way, just before I got to Missoula, um, I'm, I'm going up a hill and the car is like shifting gears back and forth. Couldn't figure out which gear it wanted to be in. It was an automatic. And all of a sudden it shifts one more time and there's a loud ka-chunk and the car just stops being able to provide power to the wheels. Um, and I'm like, that's not great. So, uh, I pull over to the side of the road, um, nearing this mountain pass. So it's, you know, not much, it's Montana. So there's not much in any direction, right? That's, that's great. So I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and after fiddling around, I realized I can, I can go in reverse, but I can't go forward. Uh, and my car is basically dead in the water. Um, this is the first time I've ever had to call AAA. Uh, luckily I believe we had, uh, insurance for, uh, roadside assistance. So I don't think it cost an exorbitant amount of money, but I, (laughs) I basically had to wait like an hour for a tow truck to come from Missoula to the location I was in the middle of nowhere at. And then another hour with driving with the tow truck driver. He was a pretty cool guy. Um, but yeah, so we ended up finding out that basically some gear in the transmission snapped and the car basically would need a brand new transmission, which would be, you know, several thousands of dollars and the Mazda Tribute just wasn't really worth it. We ended up selling that car to the mechanic. Um, basically, he's probably going to refurbish it and sell it again. Uh, but we were able to make a little bit of money. And with that money, I was given the opportunity to buy myself my own car, a uh, brand new car. Well, new to me anyways. More importantly, it was one of those things where I had the full responsibility to buy the car. So I was the one that had to vet it, figure it out. Um, Luckily, at the time, I had a a really good mechanic friend named Matt Edlin, uh, and he helped me pick out the car. Um, But we spent, you know, a good good several days on Craigslist. 
looking at vehicles, uh, we ended up looking at one of his uh, friends. Um, what was it? It was an Isuzu Rodeo. That's right. Uh, and I think it was going to be about 2000 2500 somewhere around there. So not super expensive. I really liked the look of the car. It was great. Unfortunately, at the last minute, the guy who was selling it decided that, ooh, it may not be safe to sell, so they're not going to sell it. I think that excuse was kind of BS. They just probably didn't want to sell it in the end, but, you know, whatever. Uh, and so back to Craigslist, me and Matt went um, to settle on a Mazda Navajo uh, from the year 1991. Um, it was a stick shift, which was new for me because I had never driven a stick shift before. Uh, also, I should mention that I had to get back to college, oh, in like a week or so. So I literally bought this car knowing nothing about how to drive a stick shift and then decided to drive it cross country. So it was kind of a trial by fire when it came to learning how to drive stick. Um, Luckily, driving a stick on freeway is pretty easy. It's the getting up to the freeway speeds that are hard. Um, So yeah, we we tested the car out. It seemed pretty fine. and then it came time to actually start the whole bartering process, which I'm not particularly good at. Uh, I'm the kind of person that prefers to just pay sticker price and not deal with it. Um, luckily, my friend's a little bit more savvy. Uh, I think the car was originally going for like 2200 and I offered uh, 2000 And the worst part was the guy who was selling the, the Navajo basically instantly accepted. And I was like, uh-oh. That means either he was going to get it, uh, sell it for a lot cheaper and I got screwed, or there's something horribly wrong with this vehicle. So after all the paperwork was done, I officially owned my first car. This was the first car that actually had my name on the title, which I was pretty proud about. Sure, half the money came from my parents and the other half came from uh, uh, TAing back in college, um, but still it was something I could finally call my own in terms of a vehicle. And so I, you know, I treated it as such uh, with a little bit of pride and respect. So now we had solved the problem of how I'm going to get back to college, um, and it only cost me about 2000 bucks. Not terrible. Uh, of course, it introduced a new problem, which was um, college started in about three days, and it would take a good day to get there in general, so I had about 48 hours to learn how to drive stick shift. Luckily, my dad was willing to put in the hours and uh, help me learn um, pretty quickly. You know, we went through all of the classic stages of driving in a parking lot for a while until I could somewhat smoothly get it from zero to five miles an hour. And then basically the instant we got to that point, uh, my dad, realizing that there's not much time to worry about this, immediately was like, "Okay, let's get on the street and go up the steepest hill in Spokane to make sure that you know how to go up hills in a stick shift. And boy, did I burn a lot of, of clutch material and oil that first time. I still kind of do. I never really learned that well. Um, so the big day comes, I get into the car, I've packed up all my stuff and I'm in, in for a good five hour drive with this new car that I'd only really driven around for maybe a total of 12 hours. Uh, and I start driving and I get to about a hundred miles away from Spokane and all of a sudden the car is just running really low on power. Like I, I pressed the gas all the way down and I would still be slowing the, it was still running. So it's not like there was something wrong mechanically. I just couldn't get the car to accept power from the accelerator. Uh, eventually the car just sputtered to a stop and I pulled over to the side of the road. 
I'm 100 miles away from Spokane. This is the second car that's failed in probably more than a month, and I just don't know what to do. Um, I'm not uh, incompetent when it comes to vehicles. Thanks to my mechanic friend, I actually learned quite a bit um, about the general operations, but uh, diagnosing why my car won't start in the middle of, of the highway is just not something I was prepared to do. So I'm like fiddling around with everything, trying to figure out what's going on. The car turns over, so it's not the battery. The all of yeah, like all of my basic diagnosis, I couldn't figure it out. Um, and I, <laughs> the other great thing is this was back uh, when my cell phone was a good old track phone, so I didn't have service out there. I was basically screwed. Um, finally, I ended up thinking maybe there's something wrong with the gas line. I don't know. So I just kind of get under the car and look at it. Like, seriously, this is desperate, desperate times call for desperate measures sort of things. I'm literally hoping I will look under the car and just see a giant glowing arrow that says, this is the part that's broken. Uh, obviously that did not happen. Uh, and so I'm under the car and all of a sudden I hear another car behind me slow down and stop. And I think, oh, thank God I'm saved. Hopefully they have a cell phone. I can call AAA again and I can get towed back to Spokane and we can end this nightmare. Um, turns out, no. The guy's actually a mechanic and he offers to help. Uh, and he quickly diagnosed the car as having a clog in the fuel line somewhere, most likely the fuel pump. Uh, and to investigate this, he... Um, goes into back to goes to the back of his car, grabs some like coupler things that are used to disconnect the fuel line, and proceeds to get under my car and attempt to do so. The problem was he didn't realize I had been sitting there pumping the gas this entire time. So the instant he got the fuel line to disengage, he just gets sprayed in the face with high pressure gasoline, and I'm thinking, cool. Not only has this guy decided to help me, I've killed him. I have killed this man, or at the very least blinded him. Um, he reacts, of course, very quickly. Being a mechanic, he's probably had gasoline in his face before, and immediately runs to his car and gets a rag and just kind of, like, washes it off with some water in a water bottle. And he's not angry at all, which is, again, a bit surprising. I would have expected getting sprayed in the face with gasoline to be something that angers you pretty quickly. Uh, but no, he, he actually just recovers from that. It's like, oh yeah, it happens all the time. And I was like, okay. Um, and then he offers to do something pretty extreme. Uh, he says, okay, we're like 30 miles away from the nearest town that may have a mechanic. Again, this is a near Montana, so there's not much around anyways. Um, he says he has rope in the back of his car and he can attach it to my car and then tow me with rope. That's all it would be is just, he would be in the back of my car controlling it. I would be in the car with his family, which by the way was wife and two kids. Um, and he would just use his little Subaru to tow my Mazda Navajo all the way to the next town, not having many options and seeing this guy as somewhat competent, uh, and not an ax murdery type. I mean, he had a family with kids. He's probably cool. Uh, I agreed to this wonderful life-saving solution because at the very least then I'd be at a mechanic and I could get it actually repaired. Uh, so yeah, he straps on some ropes. I get into the car and proceed to have the most awkward conversation for the next 30 miles because the dad's no longer with the family. He's in the back with my car, making sure that it has power and is steering and all that kind of stuff to be as safe as you possibly can. I'm just sitting with this family trying to make s small talk and be like, thanks for saving us. 
to which they say, oh, that's okay. We were on our family, uh, on our way to have a family reunion. It's not like we'll miss it or anything. And all I'm thinking is, oh, they're going to miss that family reunion. That's not going to be good for them at all. And I've done this to them. But at least, you know, they seemed very amicable, which was, again, very surprising. Um, And so about half hour or so later, we get close to the town and we start to pull over. Um, and the, the dad comes and says, you know, that car actually works perfectly fine. It just doesn't get any gas. So it has brakes and it has steering and all that's great. We could actually drive all the way to Missoula where you'll get a better mechanic, which will be definitely cheaper. Um, if you want to ride with us for another 60 miles or so, we can totally get there. And I'm thinking, cheaper? Yeah, I'll definitely do that. I don't care how awkward the conversation is, as long as I can get out of the situation and hopefully uh, on my way back to college as fast as possible. So uh, we have another good 60 miles of driving, and I'm, I'm probably exaggerating on the miles. I don't really remember. All I remember is sitting there, like, trying to be as small as possible, hoping that the family won't ask me questions that I can't answer. Um... And it wasn't bad. We eventually made it to Missoula, and this is when things got even better. Uh, the guy says, hey, you know, the, the O'Reilly's down the road, the uh, auto parts store, is still open. It's, if it's just the fuel pump, I could just replace it here right in this uh, parking lot. All we got to do is go buy the fuel pump. And I'm like, look, man, I'm just going with you at this point. Anything you say is wonderful. Thank you again for your help. Um... And we walk over to the the auto parts store, buy a fuel pump, and he proceeds to replace the fuel pump of my destroyed car in the middle of a parking lot of a gas station. And I'm just like, who is this guy? Eventually, the car is fixed. We test it. It starts. It runs. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And all I can think is, what do I owe you, man? You literally saved my life today for keeping me from having to sleep in my car. I, I literally had no idea what I was going to do. And this guy came along and got me to civilization and then fixed the problem. And I asked him, um, how much do I owe you? Uh, I, and he's like, no, nothing. Um, I saw you there on the side of the road and thought, you know, God wouldn't want me to just pass you by. And sure enough, I could help. Now, I'm not entirely religious, but thank God he was, because there was no other way I was getting out of that situation. And because of him, I was able to make it to uh, college just easily, easy enough. Um, It only took another couple hours to drive there. I unpacked, and that was my senior year. Uh, That was the start of my senior year, I should say. And yeah, just a really cool story of a guy just being really nice. And helping somebody who is stuck on the side of the road. And to this day, if I see somebody on the side of the road, I always ask myself, can I help this person? And the answer is usually probably not, but maybe I'll ask them if I can give them my cell phone at least. So moral of the story, I guess, be nice to one another. On a side note, about a month later, the fuel pump broke because he installed it wrong. But hey, I got to college. Anyway. Hopefully that little story was enough to satisfy your your final word with Jeff and Aaron needs for the week. Um, hopefully we'll be back next week when Aaron's feeling a little bit less streppy and we'll give you that quality content you've come to enjoy. I didn't really have a final word prepared for this episode, uh, but I guess I could do a really quick one. Uh, the final word for this week is fastidious. 
fastidious. Uh, normally this would be the point when Aaron guesses what that is, but since he's not here, uh, I'll just tell you it's very attentive and concerned about every accuracy and detail. Um, which maybe I was a bit too fastidious with this story, and that's the reason why it's 16 minutes long. Anyways, thank you all for uh, listening, and we'll see you next week.